Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Beer Show. I am with uh, a couple of good friends today in Silver Spring, Maryland. We are at the Denizens uh, Beer Garden here in Bar Silver Spring. Barrel House and Beer Garden. Barrel House and Beer Garden, yes. yes I'm trying yes, to so. convince people to call us that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, with Julie Verratti. I'm also here with Mike Stein yes. from Lost Loggers and DCBeer.com. the Barrel House and Beer Garden. Yeah. And today we're here doing a special, special episode. Uh, if you've been following what we're doing at dcbeer.com over the last few months, you've seen us start rolling out uh, our 10 for 10 collabs. DC Beer, this is the 10th anniversary year of dcbeer.com. And as part of that, we're doing a series of collaborations with breweries around the region. Our first one was with... With Rocket Frog, in that's fact. That's right. Yep. And then followed up by uh, the District Wait, what do we do with what do we do with Rocket Frog? We did Snark Infested Waters. That's right. Which uh, was kind of an homage to Editor Emeritus Bill DeBon. Right. Um, so for 10 beers for 10 years, we started off with the snarkiest. And now we're getting more earnest and honest and humble. Well, then and we did then we did Sapwood Cellars. That's right. We did, we did the 3.8 special. Yes. The uh, 3.8 uh, session IPA with mm -hmm. Sapwood Cellars. Um, and then we had the DC Beer Decade Dunkel. Uh, award-winning award-winning how that's <laughs> news actually that's that's broke since our last uh since last, last time reported it yet yeah, with yeah. uh barrett lauer uh sort of the dean of the uh dc beer scene um and now the most recent with denizens so let's talk about what we've done uh let's do it. the beer is called bach to the future that is correct and for those of you who've listened uh, to this show regularly you've heard me tell the story before but i'm gonna tell it again really quick the first really really great craft beer I ever had was a Shiner Bach, and that was mm -hmm. in Austin, Texas, mm -hmm. the day I moved to Austin, Texas, uh, and that was in the 80s. So that was when the Spetzel Brewery was still independently owned and run. Mm -hmm. wow. uh, so that was the original yeah. Shiner Bach recipe. You're kind of old, Richard. Uh, I, 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 I am actually kind of old. That was, uh, do, I'll let you do the math, but I was over 21 and it wow. was in the 80s. <laughs> um, so uh, that was the first time I was ever introduced to the Bach style, to a yeah. beer that had flavor. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and so I've always been a fan of Bach beer. And so this beer mm -hmm. is called Bach to the Future because it's historical in nature. Absolutely. So, Michael, why don't you tell us a little bit about the about how sure. the how the beer came about? Yeah. So Bach to the Future uh, is kind of uh, like a craft take on the American Bach. Um, and the American Bach is an old style of beer. It goes back to pre-prohibition. So, you know, national prohibition was in 1920. These beers have been brewed since the 1800s. Um, so the beer we brewed or Denizens, you know, allowed us to collab with DC Beer. Um, and then the side collab with with my beverage research firm, Lost Lagers, is based on an old recipe from the 1930s. Um, and so this recipe from the 1930s actually actually comes from the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History archives. Um, and we're unsure if it's 1933, 34, 35, but we know this Bach is old. Um, and <laughs> older than me. Older than <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, older than my dad by one year. Wow. <laughs> my father was born in 1936. This is 1935 at the oldest. Um, so this beer is 80 years old. The recipe for mm. this beer, and basically what that means is, you know, in America uh, we have a long history of growing rice and growing corn, um, going back to First Nations, Indigenous American. Indians with corn or maize um, and then rice, you know, going back to the 1600s, uh, 17th century, huge culture built around rice. Um, 
And basically, American Bach is a beer with rice or corn. It's typically lower in strength than German Bach. You know, you see German Bach six, seven, eight percent. Shiner Bach, the example mm-hmm. is four point four percent alcohol by volume. Yep. Um, and just for the record, the Spotzel Brewery is still a craft beer, according to the Brewers Association. Great. Uh, they do have some ownership. That's that was not the same ownership as it was in the nineteen eighties. Um, <laughs> but so we thought it would be really cool uh, to kind of do a craft or a craftier take, if you will, on Shiner Bach, which is the American Bach when people think of American Bach. Right. Right. So, Julie, why did you uh, why did you guys want to do this? Like, what were you excited about in terms of brewing something like this and doing a collaboration with DC Beer? Um, There's a couple of things. Well, one, we just wanted to celebrate with DC Beer. You guys are, you know, an institution in this area for celebrating all things craft beer. Oh, thank you. We always love working with you guys on anything you're doing. Um, So that that's one thing. Um, Number two, I love. I'm somewhat of a Personally, uh, I, I love learning history about different things, and anytime I get to talk to Mike from Lost Loggers, <laughs> I always learn something. Um, so it was great being able to collaborate with Lost Loggers as well. And then, as far as for denizens, you know, we've never made a Bach beer before. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, we've yeah. never made that style here. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Jeff has brewed a Bach in his you know, many years uh, making beer right. um, you know, before his time at denizens, but we've never done it, and we were excited about adding another beer to our lineup. Um, it's a lager. We make lots of lagers, so it just sort of makes sense for us as a brewery to make this style. Um, and to be able to do it, you guys uh, just was like the cherry on the top for that. And, uh, awesome. I'm, I'm excited to taste this beer when it's ready. Yeah. Um, so, Mike, talk to us a little bit about the process um, and how, what you and Jeff did and who was involved in the, in the brewing process. Yeah. And let's walk us through sure. the brew day and tell us a little bit about when it was so we yeah. can put some context. Um, so we brewed this beer uh, a month ago um, back in September. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it's born out of research I did in the Smithsonian Archives. Um, mm-hmm. I started this research back in... Gosh, 2013, I found this recipe in 2016. So it's been, you know, three years in the making. Um, Jeff and I actually met, uh, we had run into each other before, but the first time we really had time to have beers and have history, beer history conversation was at uh, the Master Brewers Association's uh, conference. The the Mid-Atlantic chapter was at DC Brow. Mm -hmm. And Jeff came and saw me give my Lost Lager spiel about old beer and how it's really cool and we can make it new again. And it's a great, great time to sort of reclaim history. Um, so MBAA, Master Brewers Association of America, is an old organization. And then ironically enough, this recipe in the Smithsonian's archives comes from Walter Voigt, who was a member of MBAA. Wow. And then it turns out that Walter Voigt had graduated from the Seibel Institute in Chicago, which is... See, I'm learning something right now. <laughs> you're going to have to explain what that stuff well, is sure. to the so, listeners, because I don't know. Julie doesn't know. And like yeah. we do this. So the Seibel Institute... Yeah. So the Seibel Institute of Technology uh, is the oldest brewing school in America. Julie did know that Jeff Ramirez, head brewer, um, co-owner, you know, was a Seibel graduate. And that's Mm -hmm. an important connection so that even though, you know, Jeff is a 21st century dude and Walter Voigt dies in 1969, he's a 20th century dude. They have that in common. They both went to Chicago to study beer and fermentation. Um, and then, you know, the overlap between these two uh, beers and, and the and the history of the brewers is really unique. Um, so Voigt, Walter Voigt, this is from the Voigt Collection, the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Um, buried deep in the archives, you have to go digging, but he left them, I think it's four or five boxes. But when you go through his stuff, you realize he was trained um, at the Largay Brewery in Waterbury, Connecticut. Well, the Largay Brewery in Waterbury, Connecticut used to be the Hellman Brewery. 
and who owned the Hellman Brewery, but Sibila Hellman. And Sibila was, uh, to my research, the first female lager brewery owner in Connecticut. This is in the 1800s, the wow. 1890s. So women really cool. writ large couldn't even vote when this woman ran this lager brewery that would eventually have new ownership and train Voigt. But, you know, the histories that are being revealed by beer history are just uh, remarkable. I mean, imagine running a brewery and not being able to vote. Right. Yeah. Like, wow. It's stretching your mind. Yeah, it, <laughs> it would be. But it's it's important for us as beer historians to talk about, you know, to be real, not sugarcoated. If it was a terrible time in American history, let's get it out there. Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Let's be glad for how much change we've seen and then gear up for the fight for how much change we still have yet to impact. You know, yeah. awesome. Awesome. So talk about ingredients. Sure. I know you mentioned it earlier, but go into a little bit of detail yeah. um, as much as you can. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm kind of giving away the house here. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's fine. But, you know, um, <laughs> I think if you can make it better than, than denizens, I dare you to out there in, in uh -huh. beer land. So that is a challenge. <laughs> challenge. That is a challenge. Right. Gauntlet throw. All so you other breweries. Pale malt, crystal malt, black malt, and rice. It's a really simple mm -hmm. grist. Um, Jeff Ramirez and I were talking about how we got to Zwickel, take a little from the tank and talk about how complex this beer was with just three malts, you know, rice as a fourth malt, an adjunct, mm -hmm. not a quote unquote barley malt, but right. an adjunct. Um, and, you know, we've designed some recipes where you have six, eight, ten malts to achieve this complexity. And this beer gets it with just three pale caramel or crystal and black malt. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Anything and special in the yeast? Yeah, so this is the Ondex or Ondecker yeast from Jasper Yeast. Uh, mm. Ondex is an ancient uh, medieval uh, German brewery that actually makes a Bach year-round. And that's sort of out of the ordinary, that this German brewery makes a Bach beer year-round, not just in May. Right. You know, my Bach being the classic. Mai is German for May, so the Bach beer of May. This brewery makes a Bach year-round. They've been brewing since medieval times. It's a cloister brewery, so a brewery, you know, just outside an abbey, just outside Munich. Right. Um, and this was the first time that Denizens had, had brewed with this yeast. Jeff was actually looking for a project to use this yeast for, and Jasper and Travis out there in Ashburn were kind enough right. to grow it up for us and give us, because you need more yeast for lager beer than you need for ale. Sure. Um, so, so there is a special yeast behind this beer. Um, outside the specialty of, of brewing a beer from the 1930s that hadn't been made for 80 plus years, you know? Yeah. yeah. I just want to, I want to, I want to just jump in and, and, and remind our listeners, you should go back and listen to the episode that we did with, uh, Travis and yeah. Jasper at Jasper. We are so lucky to have like that kind of resource yeah. so yeah. close to us. Um, and then, of course, we've got Matt Humbard uh, doing stuff yes. as, as well at yep. Patent. So yep. we've got great, great biologics uh, oh, yeah. nearby yeah. that really make the beers in the D.C. area kind of shine because of some of the stuff we can do. Yeah. yeah um, but you were sure. going to say. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I remember talking with you, Mike, and, Je and we were meeting together to talk about the recipe. Um, there were some interesting things in the recipe where it was like hops just from the Pacific Northwest. Like there was no specific kind of hop. Um, so if you can talk a little more about that yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so the hops in this case uh, say O-R-E-G period. And that's that's <laughs> Oregon, not oregano. You know, it's like, what, what is O-R-E-G? Um, and, and in this case, we use Oregon hops. Um, Jeff, the varieties we use were Nugget and Willamette. Um, so two different hop varieties, but, um, yeah, just picking varieties was like in the 1930s, Oregon would have been specific. You know, it's Oregon, not New York. Right. Um, not Michigan. And today, not, yeah. yeah, looking at it with, the, with that modern lens, we were like, well, what is, 
Oregon, what does that mean? What kind of Oregon? There's so many. Oregon there's so houses, many. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my God, dozens. And, and there's great work being done in this field of hop history. Um, Jennifer Jordan is one at the University of uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, and Julie and I were just up in Chicago at the Chicago Bruseum Beer uh, Culture Summit, which was an amazing experience. Which shout and out to Brian and Liz. Something like that happens in the DC yes. area. Yes, and yeah. we need to get our act together, seeing how well it was done in Chicago. But um, yeah, so beer history is confusing, you know. <laughs> hops, right? Like, well, what kind? O R E G. Where? <laughs> <laughs> Those hops. That's it. So there's some level of translation that has to occur. Um, you know, Jeff was really good with the malt. Jeff wanted to use proximity malt, and proximity is a maltster that started in Colorado. They now have a Delaware location, mm. and I think keeping within Denizen's theme of you know think globally, act locally. We we acted locally with the malt um, hops from all the way over in Oregon, but malt from Delaware. Nice. Um, and the malt is really good. You know, yeah. I think some some brewers or breweries have difficulty with uh, balancing local. They they want to use local ingredients, but you know the German stuff's just better, or the the Washington State malt is just better. Mm. That's not the case here. Um, and I think when you get to try Bach to the Future, you will you will see that as well. Excellent, excellent. So when is Bach to the Future going to be available to the public, and where can folks get it? It should be available in the next couple of weeks. All right. Um, if not sooner, what's... T- oh, it, happy Halloween, guys. Oh, happy Halloween. Yeah, yeah. we are recording this on Halloween. <laughs> yeah. like, what day is it? Wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and this will come out... This will. will it'll be available in November, November, for sure. It'll be available in November. Yeah, like within Wait. the next couple of weeks. Okay, great. great. I, don't, I don't necessarily think we have a specific day picked sure, yet. Sure, 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 sure. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, uh, we're also going to be... Uh, having a six of it available at the American History Museum, Smithsonian. <gasps> Excellent. There's a, there's a, is it a homebrewing event? You know a little yeah, bit more about this. Um, so History we'll, Hoppy Hour. So this is oh, right. um, Teresa McCullough's uh, sort of a, a private holiday party, I guess I should say. Um, but for the public, you should come to Denizens. You should come to Denizens in Silver Spring. Uh, and also it'll, in Riverdale. Or oh, you're going to have it in Riverdale? Riverdale. Places. Excellent. Yep. yep. And uh, try some of this Bach. You know, it's it's unique in that this recipe is from the 1930s. You know, there's there's not a lot uh, from the 1930s that persists to this day, save, you know, what uh, FDR rolled out. Right. <laughs> uh, um, but without getting too political, I should say, come to Denizens and try this beer. It's a, it's a step back in time. Bach to the future because, you know, we're going back in history to drink new beer. It's a great name. It's true. Um, it is a pretty funny It name. is a great name. I have no claim to that. that <laughs> was um, that you, Mike? Did that you was come Jeff. Oh, that was Jeff, Jeff Ramirez. And his <laughs> Way to go, Jeff. He's pretty good at that stuff. I will also say we, we will have some kegs. So if anyone who's listening, if you are in charge of ordering beer yeah. uh, at a bar or restaurant in you know D.C., Maryland, or Virginia, and you're curious about carrying this beer, yeah. hit us up. I think we should definitely talk to the folks who run Republic. And so in, in Tacoma Park, <laughs> and because uh, they love this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And they, the, it's a, it's a great place. And um, maybe we'll talk uh, to some folks over at uh, the neighborhood restaurant group and yeah. see, yeah. If, see if we can get this beer yeah. around town. Uh, yeah. Because I'm really excited about it, and of course I love box. Anything else specific to to Bach to the future that you guys want to want to let us know about? I just say as an entry point to beer, um, you know, speaking to those beverage purchasers and and uh general managers it's a great conversation to have with people who don't drink beer um you know a lot of people have had shiner bach or or understand what shiner bach is this is like that but it's a local product right um and it's a great way to talk about you know 
the Smithsonian, America's institution. These are 17, I believe it's 17 museums that are open year round to mm -hmm. the public. I think it's something like less than $1 out of our taxes goes to fund the Smithsonian, you know, um, and the Smithsonian can't use their name to um, sell things or to market or merchandise, but we can use their public archives. We can, we researchers, beer historians, historians right. can go in, find this, work with a great local business like Denizens to bring a product like this to life. And it's really, to me, it's the culmination of all of my passions, which is like local beer, local ingredients, and then history, you know, uh, yeah. uh, a recipe lost to time until we brought it back. <laughs> Back to the future. Back, that's it. <laughs> yeah, one of the cool things that the Smithsonian is doing is, of course, they have this uh, exhibit at the National Museum of American History. Uh, it's called Food, Transforming the American Table. And uh, just last week, earlier this week, actually, Earlier this week, uh, they opened a new section of that exhibit on the history of brewing in America. And it covers sort of the whole history, but, the, but this exhibit really focuses on sort of, or, or sorry, this section. Uh, Teresa was very explicit in how this is worded, so I'm trying to get it right for you, Teresa. But, but this section of the Food and Table exhibit really focuses on the rise of craft brewing from the 60s through the 80s, uh, and uh, it includes a lot of stuff from sort of that, that, that California, Colorado, mm -hmm. Charlie Papazian getting really into home brewing and yeah. getting that started, and then brewers uh, like Maytag uh, and others in California, Sierra Nevada, yes. um, sort of bringing back some of uh, the history of beer and, and starting to create and brew beers that that changed the dynamic from sort of the rice adjunct lagers mm -hmm. yep. that, the, that the country had been drinking for so mm -hmm. long uh, by that point. So that's something everybody should go yeah. check out. That's at the Smithsonian's uh, National Museum of American History. Mm -hmm. The whole exhibit is called uh, Food Transforming the American Table, 1950 to 2000. But there's a section of it that you really should go see. They've got some great stuff like Charlie Papazian's wooden home brewing spoon and... Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and other things thing like that. has never like deteriorated. Right? <laughs> How is it? Yeah. <laughs> Who cast the spell to keep that so young for so long? It's pretty cool. It's a cool artifact for sure. So um, this is your homework, listeners. Um, you know, go to the go Smithsonian's National Museum of American History, 14th and Constitution or 15th and Constitution. If you can't get to Constitution Avenue to visit the museum, go back a few episodes on the DC Beer Pod and listen to Teresa. Richard did a wonderful interview with oh, her. Thank you. And she literally is America's brewing historian. Yes. Just as our less than $1 of our taxes, uh, federal taxes every year funds the Smithsonian's research, you know, she is our America's beer historian. Yeah, the Brewers Association uh, also uh, is a major funder of this. Project. Yes, that's and right. A real big that's shout right. out to the Brewers Association for supporting this type of work and this research yeah. and this history. Credit where it's due. No Brewers Association, no American beer your history a scholarship which right. we are very grateful for yes. so thanks know. to everybody the brewers association yeah. for doing that thanks to Teresa mccullough thanks to you both for being on the show today thanks, thanks for having us oh, thank shucks. you julie and jeff if you can hear us thank you thank for, you uh, doing this collaboration with dcbeer.com mike thank you for all of the research that you do of course across the board in the history of beer and brewing and specifically thanks for uh pulling this recipe up and, and adding it to the list of the dcbeer.com collabs uh, in our 10th anniversary. Yeah. All right. So listeners, uh, remember, you can get all the information you need about craft beer and craft beer events at dcbeer.com, the most comprehensive calendar of events happening in the region. Uh, 
And uh, follow us at, at DC Beer on all the social medias. Thanks very much, and go Nats. <laughs> <laughs>